Start changing people's lives through education and help them reach their goal of living healthier and happier lives. As an NASM personal trainer, you're getting the best certification, tools, online learning platform, customer support, and more in the fitness industry. The time is now. It's quick, easy, and affordable to follow your passion for fitness. Click the link in the show description or call 1-800-460-6276 to become an NASM certified personal trainer today. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Marty Miller, and as always, here with my great friend, Ms. Wendy Bat. Hey, Marty. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? Oh, perfect. So thanks for asking. <laughs> you know, i got to start out that way. So today, I really uh, look forward to our topic because I know you and I are very active in the Facebook chat for the Certified Personal Trainer page with NASM. And, you know, there was just a, seemed like an abundance of questions about interviewing. And I think sometimes we take that for granted, but seeing that there was such a demand and questions on what to do, how to do it, you know, we figured we'd put this together and dive into it. Yeah, I'm hoping that this is going to be super helpful because I know oftentimes, you know, people get so focused on getting their certification and they have it in their minds, like it's going to go a certain way. And then all of a sudden they either, you know, they they start reaching and they're they're making calls and all of a sudden they get a call back like, OK, let's have an interview, whether it's in person or virtual. And it's kind of like, well, now what do I do? And so it's and we're hoping that this kind of takes some of the anxiety away for those of you guys that are getting ready to go through the inter interview process or thinking about interviewing with uh, with different types of people, whether, you know, whether they're you know doing a franchise or a big box and stuff. So hopefully you, you guys enjoy it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this too, because, you know, I've been on enough interviews and I've done enough interviews. So I see it from both sides and, you know, how to prepare and how to, you know, really try to maximize uh, the interview process as well as, you know, give yourself the best chance uh, for success. Yeah, what I find interesting oftentimes is people think that when you interview for, you know, a job that is like in a business setting that you need to be in business attire. But then when you're going into a gym, it's like it's a free for all and you want to look at it like a job is a job and you're trying to earn your your position, your right and your salary um, or your rate, whatever that may be. And if you show up, you know, looking like, you know, you don't care, you, you didn't shower that day or, you know, thinking that it's OK because you're going into a gym, that's not really the right approach. And so hopefully, hopefully we'll go through some of these like little little tips um, to their, you know, pretty much guarantee you the job as long as you know what you're talking about <laughs> when they ask you particular questions. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm going to hold this story, but I've got a very, you know, uh, key story that uh, I think really will resonate on, you know, how to truly be prepared as well as respect the person's time that you're interviewing with. So I'm going to save that till we get to it in the presentation. But, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, some relevance that hopefully, Wendy, you and I can provide to really give people the best opportunity and how to highlight, yes, these amazing credentials, but also now how do you go in there and just truly impress somebody with your ability to work in that facility? Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, one one thing, too, I just want to point out, and I know, Marty, you've been in the same situation. I've been on both sides of the game. I've been the person being interviewed, and then I've also been the person that has interviewed. And so um, there are very, you know, specific things that when I was interviewing someone, I was looking for. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and if one of those things that were really number one, two, three, or four on my list 
weren't met, then they usually did not get the job. And they were very easy things that, you know, should have just been what I thought was, you know, common sense, you know, first nature that uh, some people just really didn't think about until afterwards when, you know, I, I respectively called them and said why they didn't get the position. And it was like, oh, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind, but it's good to know for future interviews. Without a doubt. And I'm sure as we go through, we'll, we'll hit a couple of those key points. And as always, you'll say something that'll make me remember <laughs> something that wasn't part of the plan, but that's, that's the beauty of how we just roll with these things. Yeah, I think, you know, when we look at the introduction, we're going to go through each point in, um, you know, very specifically. So therefore, we can make sure you guys do get a lot out of this webinar. But the big thing with with COVID hitting, um, gyms shutting down, some gyms unfortunately closed, you know, like they're, they're gone for good. And then other gyms, you know, some of the memberships were put on hold and they they their doors are open, but they still may not be open. I know in California, they're just slowly opening certain gyms back up. Um, me living in Georgia, we've been open for a while. But, you know, when when all that hit, there were so many trainers that were going into their gym, they were working with their clients, but then had to go virtual. And so, you know, once they realized how either easy it was to go virtual, how comfortable it was and how it worked within their their schedule, their lifestyle, they may not want to go back into that big box gym because they want to start their own business doing the virtual side of the game, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. However, now these gyms are looking for trainers. And so if you are a newly certified trainer, you're really in a good spot if and when you want to go back into a gym and, uh, you know, just Unfortunately, the pandemic is never good, but there are some some positives to think about moving forward that you, you know, people need you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the key thing here is if we're going to take away one bullet point is, are you ready? Because that could be a lot of different things. And we'll definitely add some things as, as we go through, but being prepared. And, you know, one of the, the stories that I was thinking about is I had a friend call me up and another another country club when I was at a country goes, hey, I've got a young guy who's aspiring to get into sports performance. I told him what you used to do. Can I send him over? Absolutely. So a couple of days goes by, the, the, the gentleman comes in wearing a baseball cap, you know, baggy pants. It just didn't come like he came in to meet with his buddy. Now, I never met this gentleman before. I took time out of my busy day and it was, you know, I was like, I spent about 10 minutes with him and, you know, he goes back to his club and my friend Joe goes, how'd it go? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, Marty only spent about 10 minutes with me. And Joe's first question was like, what did you do wrong? And he goes, that's not like Marty. So Joe calls and I said, listen, he came in unprepared. He didn't respect my time, you know, just wasn't professional. I didn't expect him to be in a suit, but again, we're not friends. We're not buddies. And it's just his body language and everything. So Joe, my friend gave him a hard time and he came back a week later the right way. And I spent an hour and a half with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was a great lesson for him to respect the other person's time. So, you know, if you have that mindset, when you go into any interview, whether it's a casual, formal, maybe even semi-casual interview, just always understand that you don't get that chance to make that first impression more than that one time. And you're never going to go wrong, you know, being at your best. So I think that that's a, a key takeaway is truly prepare and be ready to go in there and respect that person's time and show your best effort. Great points. And and we're going to go into the other three points that you see underneath that, basically talking about the differences between the gyms and facilities and how they differ and maybe how you should change how to prepare, if at all. Um, and of course, the interview tips, we're going to go through that. Um, there's specific ones. I know that when when 
when I was interviewing people that when they knew a lot about me or my, you know, the company and stuff, I was like, you know what, they, these guys did their homework. They cared enough. And so I think, you know, really, you know, touching on those and then we're going to go through like, here are some key things to think about in interview number one versus interview number two, because usually there is a follow-up interview. It's not just a one-time thing. They want to talk to you to learn more about, you know, your certifications, your specializations, your education, your experience, you know, and, and coming in green, meaning that you have never been a trainer before is okay. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how prepared are you? Because a lot of times some of these big box gyms, they like new trainers because then they can work with you and teach you kind of their way instead of you coming in, having your way and then having to adapt to their philosophy and their, their way of training. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm ready to dive in. I don't know if you are, no. but uh, <laughs> but if we go to the next slide and we think about the gyms and the facilities and how they differ, I know, Marty, this was a big one that you and I were kind of touching on, you know, looking at the big box gyms and, you know, looking at, you know, corporate versus private. And I know you wanted to talk some about that, but one of the, the big points before we even get started is realize that when you are applying for these positions, that there are going to be some gyms that are specializing in something. And there's going to be gyms that, you know, are kind of open to the entire public and they kind of look at all different, um, you know, populations and they have different classes and they have different things that, you know, being very well-rounded is, is different than obviously having your niche. And so, I think when you're really looking through the job description, you want to think, do your skills match? You know, are you are you reaching for something that, you know, is probably well out of your reach? And does it meet with your long term goals? And I know, Marty, we've done webinars about having, you know, short term goals, long term goals, thinking about six months and a year, three years or three years, five years, having your plan. And so you want to see, does that plan work? Because Oftentimes, when you see the turnover rate with trainers in gyms, it's really unfortunate, but they didn't it, they didn't have they didn't know what to expect. And then when they got into it, they realized that it wasn't a good fit. And so it was a waste of time for that gym. It was a waste of time for for the trainer. And then, you know, and then they were kind of back at, at you know, the starting point again, having to go back and trying to you know reapply and looking for something. So I know that's super important. Yeah. So again, you know, when we look at what our career goals are, clearly things change, you know, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan and really try to focus on having a path that will lead you to getting a better chance of getting that job or that career. I like to say that you truly want to aspire to down the line. Now, again, a lot of things change and all of a sudden you can fall in love with one different part of the industry and take a turn. But, you know, Wendy, I know you and I both mentor a lot of people. We get asked a lot of questions. How do I get to, and they, give us something, whether it's professional sports, training with athletes or whatever that dream position is. So clearly, you know, try to have that end in mind, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. But the key thing is, as you're going into that industry, don't just take a job for the job's sake. Truly try to be as select selective as you can be to give yourself the best chance. Now, I understand that sometimes in personal training, there's career changes at different ages and you need to go out and get some income coming in right away. So I'm going to put that kind of stuff aside for now, because that is a very individualized situation. You know, maybe you can, uh, you know, you're in a situation where your spouse can help you because, you know, you can kind of go out and do some things at a lesser amount or for free potentially as you build your skill set. So let's just talk about if this is a perfect world and you could do that. I actually even volunteered for my first job. 
yeah, I had still had an interview for it, but it was so important for me to get into professional sports. I had that skill set as an athletic trainer, but I volunteered. It wasn't about the money. It was putting myself around the right people that could help me develop my career. I could have gone and got a job somewhere else and got paid. But so I just made that decision very early. So again, for some of you that are looking to get started, Wendy and I've talked about this before, is if you're taking your certified personal trainers course and you're going to be certified in a couple months, maybe you go to the gym you want to work at, interview now and do a front desk position. Get in the door, right? So you that you'd have to be prepared for that type of interview, but also let them know that what your longer term goals is. And that could really set you apart from somebody else that walks in and goes, hey, I just got certified. I'm ready to start right away. So that could give you some of those advantages if it works within your schedule. But again, big box gyms, you know that it's going to be maybe more sales focused. And if that's your strength or your weakness, you may not have the autonomy to do everything the way you want. So these are questions that you have to you know, ask and determine what works for you. The pay structure could be different. But also what I would say is as they're interviewing you, you should be interviewing them because you don't want to get put in a position that isn't going to be beneficial for you short term and or long term. So you really got to try to identify to the best of your ability where you think you want to be and would that job that you're interviewing for help you along that way. And, you know, all of us here are big NESM fans. Ask if there's people in there that have that certification, that use that certification, because clearly you want to develop your skill set that way also. You bring up great points. And, and I know I know for myself, you know, it was it was one of those things where, you know, I, I ended up going into to work in a more private owned facility when I started doing training because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I thought at one point I wanted to be a physical therapist. So I actually went to a physical therapy clinic interviewed because they were looking for a female trainer to take, you know, basically, you know, uh, clients that were getting released and starting to get them, you know, moving the right way and, and working really on corrective exercise. So it was kind of a win-win for me. But I think to your point, Marty, you know, going in, asking to shadow, I have people that come to me and say, hey, you know, I would love to shadow you. And, you know, they are getting their certification or they just are recently certified. And, you know, where I am, it's a little bit different because I am working inside of a gym with friends um, when I need to actually a facility located in a different part of Atlanta. Um, so it's like I don't own that gym. However, I can give very high recommendations like this is a fantastic trainer who has the will and the want. And that's what you really want in a trainer. And that's what I was looking for when I was hiring, like how bad do you want it? And, um, you know, when you're thinking about the boutiques and you're thinking about the franchises and you just need to know what are the expectations that these facilities are going to expect of you. Because Marty, to your point, if you're working in a big box gym, you're going to have to do floor hours. You're going to have to try to work the floor as much as you can. You're going to be cleaning equipment. You're going to be cleaning machines. You're meeting you know, people as they come in and out. And you're going to be competing for training sessions with the other trainers that are on that floor. But if it's a private boutique or, or a smaller facility, it may not be that way. It may be an hourly pay and that they're going to pay you an hour to, you know, hourly rate to be there. And if if you're not working with someone, you're cleaning stuff or you're you're you know out trying to help people and trying to engage them because it doesn't matter at that point um, about your session because you're getting paid hourly. And then I know, you know, with the country clubs, Marty, that's your forte. So I don't know yeah. what. Yeah, I'd be happy to jump in there. And the one thing that pops out to me on the boutique studios, when I first got in the industry, they there really wasn't boutique studios. 
So the one thing I would just say is if you enjoy the coaching aspect and that really speaks to you, boutique studios may be awesome. But if you really want to design programs and really be where you're creating the content, maybe that doesn't speak to you. So again, these are decisions you have to make because in a lot of boutique studios, it's kind of scripted from corporate. Could be great if you want to work on your coaching skill, learn how to handle a lot of people. But if you're really into, I want to be able to do all my assessments and design programs, then that may not be right for boutique studio. There could be some. So again, keep these things in mind. But to me, I luckily, and I'm so happy, I stumbled into private country clubs and the industry has gotten a lot bigger since I did that. I'm in South Florida, so it's very prominent down here. But the other thing is when I look at uh, facilities, I look at what is the uh, business? What is it? Is it a viable business? Is there going to be enough revenue coming in for me? So when I looked at the country clubs, you have anywhere from 300 to 600 to a thousand homes. So 600, 900, 1500 people that have kind of checked the box from a income status, right? So when you look at the average person walking in the gym in a country club, what their rep, uh, annual income is versus maybe a public gym. And then also country club people tend to want to pay for services. So, you know, try to evaluate what their business model is and is there going to be enough in that business model for you to go in and be successful. So I, I loved country clubs because it also, <laughs> on a side note, I was working with some of the most successful people in different parts of business and they were kind of mentoring me simultaneously. So these are all the kind of the, what's the pros and cons of what type of job am I trying to get? Can it help develop my career? Is there going to be career growth for me? So some of these will be in your area, some won't, but these are things that you want to think about. And then I think a lot of fitness professionals want to get into sports performance. <laughs> I had that background. Wendy has it, but we have it differently. I worked in sports performance for the teams. I did work with some athletes on the side. So if you want to work for teams, then you've got to, and this isn't the whole conversation here, is you're going to have to get certain degrees. If you want to work in sports performance and work with athletes on your own, you can do that with all the amazing education NASM offers. And Wendy went out and got additional credentials for a massage therapy for the touch license. But again, are there enough athletes around your area? Are there people that can refer you those athletes? And then how do you go get that skill set? So those are just some of the kind of the key jobs that we see. And the good thing is the NASM education goes across the board. We're all going to be using the same systems. It's just how do you get in front of the right people so you can have the career that you truly want and get those jobs after you interview? Great points. And, you know, and I do hear that, you know, I want to I want to work with athletes. I want to do what you do. I'm like. Okay, so what's your what's your game plan? And they're like, well, what did you do? And so, and I get that often, and and it wasn't easy. And people have to realize. I mean, we've I've been doing this since you know basically 1999, and so I've really really worked hard to you know, especially being a female working in a very male dominant um, you know position and and with the sports and with the teams. And so you know, you, you really do have to kind of prove yourself. But it wasn't proving myself on my attitude or whatever. It's how did I handle myself professionally, educationally? How was I able to design programs? What were my rationales? How did I speak to the physical therapist? How do I speak to the doctors? How do I work with them coming out of, you know, if they had, a, you know, a injury and I'm going to help them on the rehab side to get them to the performance level before they report back to camp. And so there's a lot of things, like you said, education is key getting in with a mentor that can really help guide you, find the person that you want to be, and then try to get a hold of them and ask them to mentor you. 
I got lucky and stumbled upon that. And I, to my day, to this day, owe a lot of my success to my mentor because he really did guide me down the path to lead me to, to be able to do what I'm doing. And um, I know this isn't a mentor thing, but I just want people to understand that sometimes you need help and just ask for it, but find the right people. Don't ask someone just because you have access to them. Find that right person, hound them, do anything you can to try to knock down their door. And even if they don't live close to you, find out if you can do virtual stuff, offer to pay them, you know, I mean, cause their time is money as well. Yeah. And I think you, you know, I've always said, if you want to do what somebody, you know, if you want to do something, find somebody that's already done it, right? Mm -hmm. That's why reinvent the wheel. So, you know, I think that, but part back to the interview process is if you're newer to the industry and you're not as established, make sure you ask those type of questions. However you think they come across the right way. You know, who's the, who's the head lead trainer? You know, how much time do they spend helping develop our skills? You know, those would be great questions for you. But also I think that's going to show the person that's interviewing you, Hey, this person didn't come in thinking that they're all that they want to grow. But if all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, you're kind of on your own. That's a, that's something where you have to decide. Is it worth me going to a different facility and location? Because at my point in my career, I still need a mentor or, hey, I'm established. I could come in and maybe mentor other people. Everyone's at different parts in their career. But you've got to kind of think that through because you want to be in a, in a situation that's really beneficial to where you're at and truly where you want to go. So make sure that you address that during the interview process. Yes. And I think, uh, you know, just on a, on a side note, kind of one of our stories too, but uh, my husband actually always kind of, he wanted to work for NASM. That was kind of a passion and a dream of his was to be able to become a master instructor and go around and teach. And so one of his, his kind of side stories is I, I just hounded the same people over and over again until they finally just gave me the job. Um, and so it really is, it's being consistent. It's being persistent. It's um, again, showing your passion about what it is you're trying to achieve and showing that you're really willing to fight for that position and that you're worth every penny. So, you know, just think as a trainer, you have so many different options. You can teach, you can train, you can be have a niche to be that one person. And I think if you stand out on an interview and you show your passion within you know, the way that you're handling yourself, how you're dressed, how you're appearing and, and, you know, what we're going to talk about next, like, you know, what is it that's on your resume that's going to wow me if you if you came to sit down, you know, at my table, and we were discussing one of the first questions I may ask you is like, you know, it's so great, to, you know, to, to have you here. Why are you here? And it's amazing how many people get stumped. Well, uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I really want a job, you know, like, okay, so why are you here? Why here? And so I think just really kind of having a plan and understanding that I'm going to look at that resume. Your resume needs to be you know, updated. You want to make sure that you have had it proofread. Um, there are professional people that will do your resume for you if you want to spend money. I'm not saying that you have to, but just make sure that, you know, that the fonts match, that the bullets look you know, clean, that it's not 12 pages long. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be everything that you've done since birth. It's what are the things that are going to stand out? What makes you different? And then what, what education do you have? What, you know, if there's any past, you know, facilities or gyms or anything like that. Um, I think now you don't even have to put like your references, but you could also on the bottom just say, you know, references available upon request. There are certain things that you want, um, 
you know, that you want to have. And if you don't have the experience, because there are a ton of trainers that are coming through that um, are, are changing, you know, changing industries are changing their career path completely. And they have this passion for training, but they have been an accountant. That's okay. Because at that point, what are your skills? What are you good at? And, it, you know, show me on interview two that you're good at being a trainer and putting a program together and interview number one, show me why you're here. What made you come through my door? What made you decide that personal training is for you? And, and what are you, what steps are you taking? You know, your certifications, any kind of, you know, other courses that you've taken, all that stuff should be on there because it doesn't matter if you've worked at 50 different gyms or you've never worked at a gym, I would give someone the exact same chance just based on them talking to me and telling me why they are here. And I think one of the things is if you're new, don't be, you know, don't try to hide it, be humble to it. And, you know, when you've heard me say this a thousand times, the OPT model is my best friend. Well, I'm going to leverage the OPT model if I'm new. I'll say I purposely went through NESM's education. It's an evidence-based approach. I'm going to follow that system that's been proven for 20 years. If you just started down that path, they know that you're not just making decisions randomly, that you have an anchor. And I'm sure if they're, they might be NASM certified, I'm sure they've heard of it. So, and just really be able to speak to why you chose this education and how you didn't just get certified to go like, forget it. You're going to use it to give their customers the best results because that's why you took the education. So if you show that I'm new, but I'm willing to learn and I have a resource that I went through and got certified on and I'm going to use that each and every day, that right there just shows, okay, this person gets it, that I didn't expect them to walk in. They knew your resume. They saw that you were inexperienced. They wanted to brought you in for the interview. But they might ask you that question to challenge you a little bit just to see what the answer is. Well, mm -hmm. go back to right back to the education that you went for and use that as your sounding board to how you will be a phenomenal new trainer and that you're willing to learn and that you're willing to take you know advice or criticism from people that are more senior, but you're going to follow the system that got you here to this point. Yeah, great. I mean, great point. And even today I was on a call with someone that's actually partnered with NASM. Um, you know, I'm going to be meeting with him next week uh, just on, on something that we're doing together for both companies. And he's a VP of business, um, but he's been a trainer and that's what he was passionate about and has worked with some of the highest names that are out there. And he was telling me that he went and he got his degree in criminal justice. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, I didn't like it. I changed careers and I started from the bottom. And I mean, and he is, he's an exceptional, exceptional individual that has really, really um, done very well from himself. So again, if you don't have any experience, it's how do you want to see yourself? Let that person know, like you've got the drive, you've got the will, you've got the passion, you've got the education, and you just need a chance to show what you can do. And if and you do you, that, that'll help. And I think, you know, again, you make me always come up with some other thoughts. But when you, when we, we both say the experience, whoever you are, you have experience in life. And if you're coming from a different career, don't like try to wing it as you get there. Figure out how anything that you did before is experience in the fitness industry, right? Because if you're, if you had to teach, if you understand personalities, if whatever it is, scheduling, there's going to be a part of it that still translates to personal training. So when somebody, you know, don't say, I don't have any experience. Say my earlier experience in this industry will now help me in fitness. I'm newer to the fitness side, but I'm going to build 
off of the experience I had in whatever industry that was, because if you're dealt with people, if you had to do customer service, all of those things are going to be a part of your fitness profession. It's just maybe you're a little bit less experienced in the actual training part, but again, use what you've done and figure out how to tell that story to where they're like, okay, they're going to blend in that criminal justice because they understand personalities or they can stay calm <laughs> under pressure, right? Whatever that is, there's still an advantage to what you did prior to coming into fitness. And remember, personal training is a business. And so mm -hmm. anything that you have done in the past, there is some business aspect. I mean, even as a mom, you're running your household business. You've got finances and bills to pay and you've got time management and there are a lot of different components. And so, you know, I, I tell people so many times that if you're new, a lot of gyms welcome that because yeah. they really want to help that trainer grow. And again, you're not you don't have all these crazy philosophies in your head that it has to be done just this way. Go in, as Marty said, use the model to your to your um, your, to, to your advantage. Uh, thank you. I'm like, what's the word I'm looking for? But, um, you know, but going back even to the PowerPoint, you know, when you're thinking about your resume, put like you said, you know, the very beginning, a lot of times people put like what they're, you know, kind of like an overview about themselves and find the relationship between training and what you will be doing. Because remember, it is a business. It is a training business, whether you're working for yourself or another gym, see how it, you know, it relates to what it is, make sure that it's professional and whatever you do, if you're going to have a interview with that manager, whomever it is that you're meeting with that day, take your own resume with you. Please. Take a, take a copy, a hard copy with you of what you wrote. And then also bring another one just in case that they don't have it printed out. And if they sit down, just be like, you know, would you like to see my resume? I know I emailed it to you. However, would you like a hard copy? I respected that because I'm like, absolutely, that's great. And then I would take it. But then when I would ask questions, they could look down and see kind of where I'm getting these questions. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, like when I wrote about this or this was the year that I did this, this and this. And, you know, have it kind of as a I mean, you know what your resume says, but also having a copy so you can also take notes on. Um, I always take like a leather binder. I have, you know, like a paper on one side. I have my resumes on another side. And um, if I have business cards, I bring that with me as well. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to be a, like wowed just from that because people don't do that anymore. They just come in and wing it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then it goes back to the respecting the other person's time because they might be interviewing five or 10 people, you know, whatever the case may be is you want to be prepared and stand out. But, you know, this is things that you will be doing every single day, just being prepared. And I think that that's going to show them that, wow, this person was prepared for an interview. They're going to be on time for their training sessions. They're going to have their workouts written out if that's the type of business it is. And obviously be early, right? Be a few, you know, seven, 10, 15 minutes early. You don't have to be there a half hour early, but you don't want to become rushing in, you know, all chaotic. However, if you're running a few minutes late because it's something outside your control, make sure you call. So again, I always had the phone number. I, I was like over... <laughs> you know, had anxiety of I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. So I'd always have the phone number written down because let's just assume that um, there was something outside my control. I could call ahead of time, say, you know what, I'm on such and such street, there's a roadblock and I wasn't scrambling for the phone number. You know, just those little type of things to give yourself the best chance of avoiding issues. And I always thought the more I prepared, the less issues I have ever had. Right. But, and I've, well, I've done this before. I've driven by the facility the day before. <laughs> I have too. Yes. Right. Just because I, if it's not, if it's a place I'm not familiar with, because I just want to mentally know, you know, 
that, okay, it took me 10 minutes. I know exactly what door to walk in. And now with COVID, you better give yourself some even more time because there are certain doors that are locked and all that kind of stuff. Make sure you have an extra mask because, you know, you think you got one in your car. It's those little clean things. mask, by the way. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. It's all those little things that, you know, run through it with dry rehearsal. And again, I would always say maybe have somebody uh, try to ask you some questions. If you have someone around you that can kind of, you know, push a little bit. So that way you have some answers ready to go, or at least think of what could they ask me and understand where you want to go, especially to what they may see as your big biggest weaknesses, which could be new to training, coming from another industry. Don't have that answer come out while you're sitting there. You might have it, but yeah. plan it. And, and just, just so you guys know too, I do a drive-by and then I still leave 15 minutes earlier than I think I should. And I will sit in my car and wait because I, I just don't want there to be any issues. If it's that important to me, I will schedule it a longer day for me to make sure that I am, I am 10 minutes early. 10 minutes early to me is on time. Um, I, I always say, you know what, I'm a few minutes early. So tell them to take their time um, yeah. because I know that they're on a tight schedule. However, I'm here, you know, just in case. And, and people appreciate that. And one, before we even get to this one, I do want to touch on it because it is extremely, extremely important. Clean up your social media accounts. Clean up your social media. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes if I'm interviewing someone and I see their resume and I go to Facebook or even if it's closed, there's still some pictures sometimes that people can tag you in or I can go on Instagram and I can try to go under somebody else like my husband's name or something and try to find you. And I see that you've got some drunken night out in Mexico and, you know, like I'm not saying not have a good time. I'm not saying that, but some of the pictures aren't a best representation of you, just take those down until you get the job, <laughs> you know, if you have to put them back up or, you know, just hide them. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have family pictures. It's good to show your personality. It's good to have training videos. If that's what you want to do. I'm not saying just don't be yourself, but if you know that there's some pictures that will probably harm you that you wouldn't want your mom to see, then take them down. Just take them down and, and realize that you're a professional and that people are going to look at you as a professional and they may see some sketchy stuff. And that's really not ideal when you're interviewing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we've all checked out the social media that people are going to interview. And sometimes when you don't get a call, maybe it's because they looked at your social media and you got eliminated before you even got a chance to interview. And I've had people like it's not necessarily their pictures, but it's the language that they're using. And right. I'm like, you know what? I need someone that I know when, you know, when they're going to be on the floor, that they are going to be 100% respectful for everyone that's in there, um, you know, and, and so just, just something to think about. But I mean, I know we're going to, I, we could talk about this forever. So, and so we don't go too long on time. If we go to the next slide, which I know, um, you know, we're, we're mainly some of the tips we've already kind of discussed. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you research the company and Marty and I kind of talked about that before. Think about what it is that you want to do, like, again, big box, private country club, sports performance, and then do do some research on that company. When did they start? Where, where was their their HQ or do they just have one facility? Um, who is the president, the owner of it? Um, how long have they been there? Who was the upper management? If you can find that out. And sometimes it's just a call like, you know, hey, I, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about your gym. Can you, you know, don't tell them who you are. Don't tell them why you're asking. But who's your who's your general manager of your facility or who is the, you know, whatever. And then um, and then write them down. Try to research a little bit about them, because usually you can find anything on the 
the interwebs, if you will, or the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, ask, you know, well, how many trainers do you guys, you know, have on your staff? I mean, so you can do some digging if you can't find it. I mean, kind of on the back end. And that's okay because you're just trying to realize that if you're going to a club, like a gym, and it's more of a private gym and they have 15 trainers already. And, you know, like you're just hoping to kind of get in. How much business are you bringing? How much business are they going to provide to you? How do they do the the, this, the share of it? You know, do they they have, a, you know, a membership department is the membership department do a handoff. Um, so this is kind of the stuff that you want to ask, but then also, you know, questions and things that you want to try to find out on your own. Um, plus hours of operation. You know, I work at a facility when I go in and actually see clients, we open up at six, we close at eight. We're only open from, you know, six to noon on Saturdays, completely closed on Sundays. It's a privately owned facility. I just use their space, but these other trainers, they have a key. And if they want to come in at any other time, they're welcome to. Um, however, you know, you want to ask these questions. These are good things to know. And the key thing, I, I already mentioned it once, but I think this is a good time to bring it back, is an interview should be both ways. You should truly be interviewing them while they're interviewing you. And I think a lot of times people go in there and they just respond to the questions they're asked. But you got to remember, they did their homework on you. They they you, they read your resume. They probably checked you out on social media or whatever channels or your where you used to work. So if they've done their homework and they have their 10 questions that they have to ask, I would go in and do the same amount of homework. I would ask the questions in response to not as the lead of the interview, but I always interviewed the companies I worked for simultaneously because, you know, I may decide it's not the right fit for me, even though they might decide I'm the right fit for them. So be proactive in that and exchange during that. Obviously, they're there to lead the interview, but I think more and more people will respect it if you've done your homework and you have some really good questions because they want to know they're hiring somebody that's career minded anyways. Mm-hmm. They don't want someone that's, you know, with the 25 to 35% turnover in this industry, they're trying to avoid that. So the more homework you did and the more that you're asking questions, as long as they're professional, polite and, and make sense to the level of the job that you're interviewing for. I think that people will truly respect that. And then you at the end, if you're offered the position, you truly hopefully should know what your opportunities would be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a big one too is what are the responsibilities that they, they, they want from you? What are the trainers responsible for? Are they responsible for so many floor hours a month? Or if they have like a busy book, is it okay if they don't do any floor hours? And, you know, products are that you're going to be required to sell, you know, like supplements or something like that. There are certain gyms out there that that have supplements and they expect trainers to have a certain number of sales of products along with a certain number of sessions in order to meet, you know, different levels of training. And so you would just want to ask, you know, so when you go in, you are 100 percent confident that this is a job that's good for you because it may not be a good fit for you. Um, not because they didn't want to hire you, but because when you started asking these questions, it didn't seem to fit within your goals and, and what you wanted to truly, you know, the, the type of position you truly wanted to be in. So, you know, have your certifications, have your specializations, have everything, you know, all of that information, but be just ask questions and, and, and don't be afraid to, because I respected that. I know personally. Correct. Absolutely. It's a great, great thing to do for sure. Mm-hmm. And if we go on and, and look at the next slide, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of, you know, this this sounds 
often, oftentimes I kind of feel weird putting this slide up or talking about this. And, and I know Marty, you know, we've kind of hit on that, mm -hmm. but you dress for success always overly dress. I'm not saying go in a prom dress. I'm not saying to go in high heel shoes. I'm not saying to do that, but if you're going to go into a gym and it doesn't matter what type of gym, I usually wear nice dress pants, a nice button down shirt, you know, and then I again have my leather binder with me. I have all the stuff inside my binder. I'm on time early and I'm, I'm ready to go, you know, but you know, if business casual, you know, you could always say if you get the interview, like, great, you know, um, don't really, I usually don't ask about the first meeting. That's what I wear on the first meeting. I always have, I always will. And when people come in and they're dressed like that, I look at them more professionally than like you said, Marty, somebody that comes in in a baseball hat, somebody that comes in in a, in a tank top and yoga pants. Like oftentimes we think as a trainer, you've got to look a certain way and you have, your body has to be this way. And if I show it off, they'll see that I can work this hard to look amazing. So I'm a good trainer. I'm telling you, as someone hiring, I don't care what your body looks like. I care what your mind is. And I have never, ever hired a trainer based on their looks. I've hired a trainer based on their education and how they interview. And so, I mean, if you look great, great. You know, I'm proud of you. You've worked hard and, and good for you. And, you know, you're, you're hitting your personal goals. But I want to know that you can hit and help people hit their goals. And so how you look, your professionalism you know, don't wear dirty sneakers that you were just in the mud running around or, you know, coming in after I've had someone come in. I'm not kidding. After a workout, they went to a gym. They were like, oh, I just got done with the workout. It was amazing. And they didn't change clothes. They didn't get the job either. And, yeah. you know, and I thought that they were going to be a high candidate. But, you know, I, I want somebody that is passionate about what they do and they respect themselves and and my time. And the one thing I would add to it, me being a, a little overprepared is I always would, if I wasn't clear, depending on the job, I would have a change of professional gym clothes in the car, just mm -hmm. in case like, oh, I would love to, oh, I have clothes, I can I can go grab them. You mm -hmm. know, just imagine if someone threw that out there like, oh man, I wish we had time to go through a workout. Oh, that's not a problem. I, I, I brought clothes just in case that happened. And, but make sure they're the best version of the fitness clothes that you would work out in. And it may never come up, but if it does, it shows that you're that much of a forward thinker that just in case this goes that well, I'm going to have it. You don't have to bring it in with you, but just you can always mention it. And I think that that would be like, wow. OK. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I think, you know, too, don't wear the short shorts. Don't mm -hmm. wear the, the you know, the short tops. I mean, w when you work out, there are so many cute workout clothes and, and me being a girl, I get it. You know, that, that it's like, Oh my gosh, that outfit that I just bought is amazing. They're, you know, they're tight pants and you know, I've got this shirt that matches. I mean, think about like to, to Marty's point, what is the, the, the most appropriate attire that you personally have that you would feel comfortable with training anybody at any age and knowing that they're not looking at your body, but they're listening to you and what you're saying. And so, you know, just some, some key tips too, because, even if you look amazing, I don't want to see you in your hot shorts and a cutoff shirt when you're going through to put me through a workout because I want to talk to you and I want to, I want you to really respect yourself. And, and there may be a uniform that you have to wear that says big personal training on the back. You see that a lot of times too. And so that's going to be your, your workout. I mean, your, your business attire, that's what you're going to wear every single day. However, that's meeting number one. If you get a call back when it's meeting number two, then at that point, I usually say, great, in this meeting, you know, would you like me to put you through a workout, you know, um, and if so, is it okay if I wear, you know, um, some gym attire? And 
And that's what you would say. That's how you could ask. They would be like, you know, that sounds fantastic. And that's usually what people will say. Fantastic. But usually the second meeting, just ask, you know, um, who am I meeting with? You know, what are the what are the expectations on this? Like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. You know, thank you so much for the second interview. I'm so looking forward to it. And, you know, and that's kind of how you you make that conversation and how you can ask. But don't just assume that because maybe it's they want you to meet with the board, you know, if it's a private thing. So, you know, just just ask the questions and know that you're going to get the responses that you need. So you're no longer guessing. Take the guesswork out and just ask. 100 percent. And then if we move on, like, OK, so now we've talked about how to prepare for it. Let's really talk and dig deep into the first interview. Um, Marty and I have already talked about being prepared, which is being early. When I walk in that facility and I see that GM or whoever it is that are interviewing me now, granted, this is before COVID and it was OK to shake people's hands. I always look them directly in the eye. I stuck my hand out and said, it's a pleasure to meet you. You know, thanks for taking the time with meeting me or meeting with me today. And um, they're like, oh, absolutely. You know, um, because eye contact is everything. If you can't look me in the eye or I can't look you in the eye, is it really a good fit from the start? I would probably say no. And I think the other thing, you know, this list is pretty obvious, but sometimes we need to revisit it. Little things too, is as you're walking past members, look and smile and say hi to them because mm -hmm. that inner, the person, the general manager, whoever's in there is like, wow, my members are going to love this person. Don't just think that the only person that you need to make an impression on is the one interviewing you, you know, greet everybody at the front desk. Say, oh, thank you so much for your time. And the members, same thing. And even little things like I've been, um, in other facilities. And if I see something on the floor, I pick it up. Like, like, wait a minute, you're here for an interview and you picked up our trash and put it away. Like just be that prepared about what's going on in your surroundings. And those little things are going to make huge differences as you go through your interview. Yes. And, and like you said, this is just a few of the, the bullet points that I think are, you know, kind of very important to find out the compensation yes. plan being a big one. How are you going to get paid? What are, what is your hourly rate for the different things that are, are expected of you? And like I said, some of these bigger box gyms, they do expect you to do floor hours. They do expect you to do training hours. And unfortunately you don't get the pay, say paid the same thing, you know? And, um, and so there is, you know, some expectations there. Uh, I think, you know, Will they give you the clients? Like I said, for the facility that I worked in, it was a private big box gym, as weird as that sounds. And there was a marketing, um, you know, a marketing department. And as a brand new trainer that was looking to get clients, I and I've said this in another uh, webinar that we've done. I went to that marketing department. I introduced myself once I got the position. I trained everyone for free in the marketing department and I got my books filled up very, very quickly. However, if that's not how they do it or you have to market for yourself, you need to know what the expectations are in order for you to make money. It is a business. You are going in as a business person in order to make money. So, you know, how how are the how do you schedule your sessions? Do you schedule them? Do they schedule them? Do you check in to make sure that, you know, as a reminder, does is there an automatic or automated system because you put it in into the system that automatically sends them that? Is there a 24 hour cancellation policy that those are the things that you want to ask and understand? Plus, can you take a vacation and not be felt, you know, feel guilty? Like, do you do your own hours or, you know, do you have to put it in the books and let people know a month ahead of time that you need to take a week off or a weekend or whatever? So, 
you know, just remember as a trainer, unfortunately, you're always working and holidays are usually the busiest time for trainers because people have time to actually work out. And um, and another great one, you know, is benefits. Do they give you benefits or is there a 401k plan? Is it, you know, is there, you know, sick leave, you know, things like that, I think are, you know, medical, obviously dental, medical vision or, or any or all that included. Just, just really understand that you have to know what you're getting into. So therefore you can plan accordingly because if they don't provide any of that stuff, that's stuff that you are financially going to have to put in your books and figure out how can you pay for your own insurance, which is expensive as well as if you have family and you have insurance for them, as well as some of the other things to consider, especially, you know, when you're thinking about benefits and 401k and eventually trying to retire. <laughs> yep. I, I think that you covered all that incredibly well, Wendy. Thanks, man. <laughs> Why don't you lead us into inter interview two then? So just like before, if you survived interview one and they brought you back, there must be a reason. So you would do the same thing again. Be prepared, study, ask the questions Wendy said. So that way, you know the expectations. Don't just show up, ask that question. I think they'll be impressed. So more than likely, you may have to do an assessment. So again, bring your charts, your clipboards. Don't expect them to hand you anything. Come with everything you need. So be prepared to take someone through a workout. You've already asked that question. You should be ready to go. You should have studied what's in the facility so you're not searching for equipment. Worst case, if they want you to go through a workout, say, can I come back and just tour the facility one more time so I can plan for the workout? I doubt they're going to say no. Or if you can show up a few minutes early, be true to yourself, show your personality, enjoy the process. You know what you're doing. Go through the show, tell, do steps where I'm going to show you what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. Now it's your turn to do it. And then treat that tryout interview like it's a true real session that you're charging premium dollars for. Nothing different than you know how to do. Just again, have the game plan and be prepared. And Marty can second this. When we tried out to become a master instructor, we actually had to put the people that were hiring us through a workout. We did an assessment. We had to do a plan. We had to have rationales for everything. So, so it's not just something that you're doing at, at a, you know, a gym in order to be a trainer. If you're really aspiring to be, you know, other things other than just a trainer. And I, and I say, I don't want to say just a trainer because I'm just a trainer as well as an educator and stuff like that. I wanted to be very well-rounded. Having that second interview process down and being able to on the fly, this is confidently what I see on your compensation. So therefore, we're going to foam roll and stretch these areas. We're going to strengthen these areas. And then we're going to do kind of some combo exercises because I know we're short on time. So let's go through it right then and there. I, it shows me if I'm a manager or I'm the one going through and you're taking me through a workout that you really do understand what it is that you're doing in order to benefit that client and that you're not just looking up some, you know, workout that you did in a magazine that based on the assessment and you can tell me what that assessment means, you design a program to activate those muscles and, and to do that. That's what the people are looking for. And that's truly, they want you to have fun. It's like, okay, this is what I want you to do. Like your feet are turning out. Let's make them forward. Okay. Squeeze your belly button in shoulders back, chin back. And now let's get started. Watch me for the first few reps. And then after that, you're going to take over. It's very quick. It's very simple, but you have to be confident, confident in your ability to show that you know what you're doing. And if you confidence over overpowers everything, personality overpowers everything. If your programming isn't perfect, I can help you. Your That facility can help you be a better trainer on designing programs, but bringing in your personality, you can't. You can't teach someone personality. You can't teach someone 
communication, listen to what they're saying, don't over talk them, be respectful, think about your positioning, turn your phone off or don't take it with you and you have such a good, good chance of getting that job. Absolutely. And then finally, as we, we get ready to close this out, is the key thing is send a thank you note. Um, <laughs> we came from the generation where we would write a handwritten thank you note. And this came up, uh, my wife was interviewing for a job and she took the time to write a handwritten thank you note. And the person called back and was like, you know, I was kind of surprised you didn't send me a thank you email. She's like, well, actually it's in the mail. And they're like, oh, so things have changed. People expect immediate. So I still like the handwritten, but definitely send a follow-up thank you email. But to really separate yourself, maybe you send a handwritten one as well. But expect people now to almost expect immediate. Mm -hmm. Yes, and don't send a text. And if you do send a text, because that's what they said, that they would rather communicate, you know, or how they want to communicate with you, that's fine. But make sure that you're typing out the word you and that you're very professional. And don't do text talk on the first few until you start to build a relationship with the people that you're working with. And so I don't think on an interview process that, you know, I'm not saying don't text if that's, again, some people really like the texting thing. And, um, and of course I text my buddies, but I don't necessarily text my boss until I have been with them in the company for a while. And they're like, Hey, just send me a text. I'm like, great. But, uh, don't just assume that people want texts. So yeah. Awesome. So, all right. Well, um, are there any questions or anything like that? Or, I mean, I basically, I mean, this is just kind of an overview on first day. I don't think there's really anything that, uh, that we haven't already covered. Again, it's a big one. Put your phone away, put yes. phone away <laughs> no doubt. and so, key takeaways. I mean, Marty. So the key thing is make sure, you know, you're a good candidate for the position. Don't interview for something that you truly know you don't want. Do your research. We talked about that. Be confident. As Wendy said, we're not looking for cocky. We're looking for confident. Be specific with your questions. Definitely dress appropriately. We covered that. Be prepared for any questions regarding hypothetical situations. You should run those scenarios through your head and be prepared for all of those type of questions. Have fun. Be yourself. It's a, it's a fun process if you got that interview. And then make sure it's a good fit for you and what your core beliefs are from a fitness standpoint and the way in, in the environment that you want to work in. So if you follow those key rules, I think that uh, you'll have a great opportunity to get great jobs and truly enjoy your career. I think you pretty much nailed it. So I don't know if, I don't think we had any questions. Um, Greg, did you see any questions that came through for us? And no questions. We must have been amazing today, by the way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we can go into where everyone can find us moving forward in case these questions pop up. So our information will pop up here. So Wendy. Yeah. I mean, if you guys want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at wendy.bats13 or feel free to email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org. Um, plus, remember, we do have a random fit podcast with uh, myself and Ken Miller. We talk about a bunch of random fitness stuff. So we would love to have you be a part of those as well. And then for my information, it'll come up here in a second, is you can hit me up at Instagram at dr.martymiller72 and then marty.miller at nasm.org. And then weekly, I do the coffee talk where I just go on Instagram live and just hang out with you guys. So to wrap it up, Wendy, thank you so much. All of you amazing NSM professionals, go out there and crush those interviews, and we'll see you soon.